The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? two-man power trip of wrestling i am your host jp at john pause and we have part two of who is mr wrestlemania of course joining me is mr hmg mr wrestlemania himself mr two-man power trip producer rbv what's going on buddy back again yes 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 the rbv from the hmg richard bronson victory man part one i've had many a sleepless nights you know, kind of looking back and going through those notes, the conversation that we had, and I have to remind myself, we're not even to the finish line. We got three more big names to throw into the fire for who truly deserves that moniker, that that title to sit at the pinnacle as Mr. WrestleMania. And of course, also the third man in the booth, the doctor himself, Mr. Michael Jargo. Jargo, what's going on? What's happening, Paz? I'm surprised that you had me back after last week. You got me all worked up. And yeah. yeah. You, you know, it, it's funny because the three of us have all kind of talked about this off the air over the course of the last week. That show kind of took on a life of its own, and now it's become a series. So I'm really, really pumped for this, and I will try. I will try not to be the HBK Homer this week because now we know it's going to be a series and not just a one-episode gig. So, you know, thanks for having me back, and I'll try not to be such a dick. No problem. <laughs> and a good buddy of mine, been friends with uh, forever, oh, guys, almost 30 years now, been watching the business with him. He's always get the pay-per-views. Either he would come to my house or I would go to his house. He was not happy with you, Jargo. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have that effect on people, you know. No, but not even for what you're saying. He was just saying that Shawn Michaels is definitely not Mr. WrestleMania. That wow. he never, and then he said he never watched one WrestleMania for anything Michaels did. And I said, "What about Michaels Flair? That was pretty good." Or Michaels Taker, but he said, "No, it never was a Shawn Michaels guy." So I was like, "Wow, ouch!" All right, well, you know, so yeah, different there, direction there, there. There's there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> He was a Hogan guy for sure. Oh, well, see, there you go. There you go. You want to talk about a group of terrible human beings, right? Like the number one, there's the terrible human being that is Hulk Hogan. And then there's the Hulk Hogan fans. And I just offended at least half of the audience. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't. Well, yeah, I did mean it. I kind of did. I'm a, Hulk, is, I'm a Hulkamaniac through and through. I know RBV is too. It, not, no, no, I'm not an Hulkamaniac, but I'm not to the, I'm not so far to the other side uh, that Jargo is. I'll I'll give his contributions to pro wrestling, their respect, but hey, hey, Jargo, I, hey Jargo, you're, you're, you're pissing off. You're, you're like the new John Cena. I mean, you're pissing off half the audience. Maybe some of them like, Hey, just get that reaction. Pal. Hey, Hey, I, I, I can remain objective about Hulk Hogan when it comes to his art, just the, the person that is Hulk Hogan, not a fan, not a fan. You know, what's interesting as we're recording, I believe this is the 19th anniversary or so of him versus the biggest political player in the world and him getting a win at Backlash, beating Triple H uh, for the title. So just uh, interesting to throw that out there. You know, Triple H is the most political guy ever. Well, guess what? You ain't beating the Hulkster, brother. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> guess, who, guess, guess who else we're not talking about during the course of this series? Triple H. 
that's something that after part three, I might have to discuss with you guys because I feel like, and his name kept popping in my head. Who were some of the worst WrestleMania performers? That might be like a part four or something, but he kept popping up because I was looking at some of the matches and, you know, some of the cards. I'm like, wow, again, I forgot how I, how like that match should have been better. Or like, I forgot, you know, he was in some good matches, but it's like, man, he had so much, so many disappointing matches or so many times where I'm like, Wow, why did he get the win? That match sucked. So I think it was a lot to throw out there. You know, we go to that politicking, and he, he tried <laughs> yeah. to position himself in these grand spots, and they yep. just fell flat. Yep. I have often said Triple H, one of the greatest number twos of all time. You know, I mean, you could never build around Triple H, but he was a good foil for whoever was on top. You yep. know, so yeah. Yep. I totally agree. He's not the guy. He's the guy that works with the guy, as Cornette always says. He's the guy who gets his ass whipped by the guy. Yes. Now, speaking of today, we want to you know break down a few guys, break down just a couple of the guys who definitely make a case and a very strong case for Mr. WrestleMania. So let's start with the streak. Let's start with the Undertaker, twenty-five and two record. So kayfabe wise, he's the greatest WrestleMania performer. Of all time. I know people joke around like RVD was undefeated in Axe. Demolition Axe was undefeated at WrestleMania. But let's focus in on some real, real key records and some some key metrics here. So he's 25 and 2. But man, like what a run. I mean, do you do you think WrestleMania? Do you think Undertaker? Because so many people say that. Jargo, I know you mentioned this last week too. It's like who is Undertaker wrestling the streak? So the streak sometimes was more important than the world title in a lot of these WrestleManias that we're going to bring up. So Undertaker, an easy guy to kind of throw out there as Mr. WrestleMania. You know, I, I, by accident, I think that's the thing that is so funny because I, I, I've heard a couple of different people say that over the course of the years, the Undertaker streak thing didn't really become the Undertaker streak thing until he was like, you know, 11, 12 in. You know, it, it was just kind of one of those things that his stories always kind of concluded at WrestleMania with him coming out on top. And somebody had just kind of mentioned it to him in passing. Like, you know, you're unbeaten at WrestleMania. And Undertaker like sitting and thinking about it. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I am. And, and it was at that point that it became a thing. And when you go back and you kind of look back at the early days of the streak, they weren't feature matches. It's not like, you know, we, we were building up Undertaker to that point that when I look at, you know, the first half a dozen at least, you know, it's kind of like, oh, we're, we're just establishing that Undertaker's like this big, bad dude. Okay, cool. And then it just became this entire other thing organically until who was going to break the streak. And, I you know, it's it's funny because while the Undertaker streak is this thing of mythical proportion. It was almost more interesting how Vince was going to screw with your mind to make you believe that somebody actually stood a chance of breaking the streak. And ironically enough, when the streak got broken, it was the one time that nobody saw it coming. It was genius, but I'm not sure how much of that necessarily has to do with undertaker and how much of it was just the streak. With Undertaker, too, the interesting thing, and I'll get to RBV in just one second. So interesting. So just to throw this out there and mention Triple H again. So Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 29, that's his return to Mania after years. He loses to Triple H. So Triple H beats Lesnar at 29. The next year, Lesnar versus Undertaker. Lesnar at this point, people only realize this, kind of lost a lot of stock and a lot of value with that loss, to me anyway, because it's like, wow, he lost to Triple H? What the fuck? I know eventually he'll beat him at the cage match at the next show at the following pay-per-view, but it was like, wow, like that was a really bad loss. Like That killed Lesnar's drawing power. So it was weird. It's almost like he needed that Undertaker. I know he's legit and he's awesome and he's a draw and stuff, but he almost needed that Undertaker street breaking because that totally put him in the direction where he carried the company for years and, and he was making stars and he was making events and he became a big draw. So I think that him breaking a streak and people's like, oh, I didn't need it. I think he did need it. Uh, you know, going back here, it, let's let I me mean, the creation of the streak. This is something very interesting. As Jargo is talking about, I mean, Undertaker, I mean, he just rips off a number of wins before this thing really becomes acknowledged. And, and there's really two big points, uh, you know, where this thing really became prevalent, took center stage. Uh, you know, there's memories of Undertaker first mentioning the wins at WrestleMania in what was his match at 18 
uh, against Flair there. But I, I mean, I yeah. really remember it where it really took center stage was around 21 with Orton uh, with, with the legend killer gimmick and all that. And that's where it really became, you know, a focal point inside of WrestleMania where, okay, you know, who's Undertaker wrestling, which is always important. If you're one of those big names there, the streaks in there. But let's look at those first early wins. And I think a lot of that is, you know, there's two sides of the credit. I think you need to go with this. Obviously, Undertaker for being the ultimate professional and the longevity for a gimmick like that. As we've seen gimmicks starting to fade, especially coming as we start to enter into the Attitude Era where maybe that that hokey gimmick isn't there. And, and he's smart enough. Hey, I got to evolve this thing. I got to sell these guys that it's more than, you know, the, the mortician the goofy purple gloves in the hat. I've got to take this to that next level. But those early wins, you know, Taker wasn't put in a spot of over importance because, I mean, he looked like a million bucks. He's this big giant. He is scary as all hell. But Vince saw him as a novelty. He wasn't going to push him. I mean, sure, he could use him in those spots, you know, to kind of transition that title into the vacancy, into the, you know, that great rumble that we had. And they use him as like a, a stopgap at a few things. But it was always, okay, we know we have got something very special in this talent. He is an attraction in himself, just the physical presence. So we'll set him up. And he and Undertaker really kind of took on those those early roles of just bringing in those other larger-than-life, I mean, not, not you know presence and charisma, but just figures like, like they would do with Hogan for so long. They kind of use that formula. Okay, who's going to take down Undertaker going into this year's WrestleMania? Those stood on their own. So yeah. you even had that attraction then. And the once-a-year performer thing absolutely helped because he, Undertaker was not overexposed, especially once the streak became everything. So he would train like all year for that WrestleMania match. And that's why the WrestleMania matches became so good, especially once he went back to being the Undertaker instead of the American badass, like Rick's saying, you know, like there's that attitude era of Undertaker that it's like, we all acknowledge that it's there, but nobody immediately thinks of that era of Undertaker as who the Undertaker character is. It was when he really came back as like, you know, the mortician Undertaker, larger than life, over the top character, and you would only see him for six weeks a year. The, the whole well, Undertaker streak you know, thing took on a whole new meaning. Well, he was helping develop SmackDown, though, and he was more of that that sinister dark lord than, you know, the living dead. I mean, he took it to a whole new level. He knew he knew how to evolve that character to stay relevant in the times as they were changing throughout all these generations. Uh, but you're, I mean, you're right, Drago. I mean, really when the streak goes to another level, it is when it just solely comes down to WrestleMania season. Uh, but I will take away Undertaker when he, you know, in that prime through the Attitude Era, into, you know, the first, you know, those early years of the ruthless aggression, he was still on the road full time. Oh, yeah, but, absolutely. But you, you look forward to WrestleMania. But, yeah, you are correct, though. When he did scale it back, it was, okay, we got to get geared up. Even if there wasn't a lot of excitement throughout the rest of that card, you still could get pumped up for who is going to be challenging the Undertaker. Hey, we could see a title match 12, 14 times for a pay-per-view. You're only going to see one Undertaker streak match at WrestleMania. When did the streak really become what it would become i mean like because at a certain point it's like you know undertaker is 13 and 0 at wrestlemania and it's like okay yeah i'm, I'm looking back but i'm seeing like you know big boss man i'm, I'm seeing you know a trains in a match i'm seeing giant gonzalez you know but like when did it really become what it would become to you guys because i mean it, this is one of the greatest achievements in the history of sports entertainment you know what i mean but it i it is it Randy Orton? Is that when it was like, okay, I yeah. could make a case for this kid going over Undertaker at WrestleMania. Like nobody yeah, thought Kane was beating Undertaker, right? Right. I really think 21 versus Orton, because that's really like they really kind of was like ramping it up. I'm gonna end the streak. I'm gonna do it. You're like, wow, this he's probably is gonna do it. Like they're probably gonna give this guy something. And then when he didn't, it's like shit. Yeah, start counting these wins because maybe he won't lose. And then obviously, uh, Mark Henry, the year later at 22, you knew he wasn't going to do it. Then when they had 23 after Undertaker wins the Royal Rumble, 
versus Batista. I was like, okay, Batista is definitely going to do it. And it's probably going to be the main event. Then it wasn't even the main event. They switched it and they made um, John Cena and HBK the main event. So then you're like, okay, maybe Batista's not beating him. But you still kind well, of were like unsure, thinking like he's going to be the guy that beats it. Like there was going to be some younger guy that was going to beat him. And I guess that's what's interesting is because by all accounts, Batista for months going up to that match was supposed to beat the undertaker. And then at the last minute, things changed. Is that why they, they took it out of the main event was when they decided, Nope, undertaker's going over. Possibly. But I think the reason was they thought Cena was the guy over Batista. Like they were like, okay, let's, let's really go with Cena here. So him going over HBK, which if you look at psychology wise, though, booking wise makes no sense because undertaker eliminated Michaels from the the Royal Rumble. So why would he get a better match placement for finishing second? But, but I see the point, like Cena was the guy over Batista. So you had to put him in the main. Well, I'd say in, in retrospect, you know, what we know now, they made the right call. Well, I I was just going to say, because had they made that call, Batista's entire career from that point on may go completely differently. Like maybe Batista never leaves and he takes over that John Cena role. Like, I I think that always left kind of a bitter taste in Batista's mouth. The real question is, should Batista have broken the streak at that Uh, point? I mean, and it sounds ridiculous now because people are listening to it going, come on, Batista. But in that context, Batista was freaking hot, man. He's hot on camera and all that, but there's you know there's so many tangibles that go in that you're going to take that ball and run with it. He's not learning Mandarin in two weeks to go do a press conference. I'll give him that. Right, and that's a lot of you know what people they don't realize that they they just think it's oh it's just a creative decision come out there and wrestle your match cut a promo you should be the you know you should be the face that runs the place that's not it at all. They're not saying a billion dollar TV deals with Batista on top. Ultimate hustler that can go out there and. and this is nothing to take away from Tisa. I mean, I've heard bad things about him, but I mean, is he going to be out there doing all the, the make a wish, all the other charities, right. all the interviews, making those rounds, as you said, learning foreign languages on the fly. Well, just so he can help you spread your market. Okay. Well, what about this? Is, is that the most pivotal moment in WWE history over the last 20 years? If you go with Batista, you stay with ruthless aggression. I mean, just look at the freaking guy, right? You go with John Cena WWE goes PG and ends up signing, you know, multi-billion dollar TV deals. Uh, there you go. And, and there was other influencers as well. You know, why you make that shift, uh, your, your different contracts, your sponsors are shifting. Uh, but is, you know, you talk about who, who actually had that, that I want to say target on them, but was marked for that great success who ended up ultimately breaking the streak, Brock Lesnar, who I thought was the absolute right call there. I was so many people want to go, Oh, you got to make a new star, make a new star. I'm, sh- I'm sorry. I mean, that's great. And you, you do that in so many other cases, but when you're dealing with something, the legacy of the streak, I mean, you don't know where they're going to fall. Brock Lesnar, he's already got a legacy. You've already got the legitimacy of this guy crossing over a UFC heavyweight champion. The guy, you know, found a little bit of success in football. I mean, he's, the guy's regarded as one of the baddest dudes in, in combat sports in sports general. Uh, you're built in there. You go out there and give this to some young guy that just flops by summer slammers, not even with the company two years later. And, and you've kind of diminished what really the streak was about. I think history will be very, very kind to Brock Lesnar. I think people are going to look back on Brock Lesnar with a different context than living through Brock Lesnar. Like Brock Lesnar to me is so freaking good that he can work the markiest of marks. Like he, he, Brock Lesnar knows how to irritate you. He knows how to piss you off and he knows how to get you to pay money to watch him get punched in the mouth. Like Brock Lesnar is the heel of freaking heels. And I think it's by design. I think it's just brilliant. And I think history will be much kinder to Brock Lesnar than we are living through. I mean, just look now. People are just dying. Oh, my God. Can we get Brock Lesnar back? Oh, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. That's huge money. Like, he's still Brock Lesnar. People are still dying to see Brock Lesnar, even though as soon as he shows up, all the internet wrestling community is going to be like, Oh, Brock Lesnar's back. Like, I think those of us that actually get it are going to be very kind in retrospect to Brock Lesnar. And if they rush Brock back for SummerSlam, they're, they're absolute morons. That's a WrestleMania money on it in Texas. A hundred, that hundred thousand plus wide open. 
sell that thing as a shoot. But but even after that loss, you have Undertaker. He bounces back where, you know, it's kind of like, okay, now what is there? There's still that intrigue. He still gets you interested in those matches following the loss. As you can see now, we're looking, okay, is this his last ride? Is this the last run here? That's where we turn our attention. Now, I know the, the big question here is, it, is he in that running? I think he's absolutely, you know, tremendous in this conversation for Mr. WrestleMania. I do got to say, I'm going to eliminate him from my conversation for from my getting my vote simply because I think the streak it evolved itself into its own spectacle. Yep. And it just so happened to run alongside WrestleMania, and it just so happened to run alongside The Undertaker. I mean, it, you, if that could have well, I, accidentally I, I, happened with so many different talents I, I, over I, I the course think, of the years, but the, for for it to actually have the longevity. And even before we even knew what it was, it took somebody like The Undertaker with the understanding, the commitment, the work ethic, the perseverance. No one else could really do that. I mean, just not even the wins and losses, just to get to that number of matches at a WrestleMania yeah. is simply incredible. And we can't take that away from the man. 27 matches, technically only four main events out of those 27. So, and I know the AJ Styles match, I don't consider that a main event. I know that was a feature match and that was really on the part or night one, night two, the main event, main event, like Roman Reigns, Edge, Dana Bryan is the main event of WrestleMania from this past year. It's got to be the main event of the both nights of both shows. So technically only four main events. I know the streak itself and him himself kind of made himself separate from the main event or a separate pause, draw. Pause, or do separate not injury. say that to all the uh, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks fans. They will murder you. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. It, it doesn't count. Sorry. No way in hell. It's, if it's not night two uh, and the closing, the real shows, both shows, is not the main event. Sorry. Sorry to break it to those fans out there. But just look at the t- taker, though. How many good matches did he have? And I know it's not always about match quality and stuff because it could be the memories or it could be the things that happened. I really give it I don't know, I'd say probably six really good matches that stand out to me. Triple H at 17, I really liked. 18 against Flair, I love. I love that match. Uh, and I love 18 in general because Hogan and Flair are somehow able to have these awesome matches. Turn back time and, and you know make me love the business again in 2002 for a short period of time. 25 against HBK, that's an all-timer. 26 against HBK, great match. 29 against Punk. And then I'm throwing in there 36 against AJ just because I love the match, love the spectacle, love the Metallica stuff. Um, I love everything about it. But I don't know. What do you what do you think? Well, you know, I am I'm an emotional guy. I, I, am I invested in this thing? And, and I don't want to look back and say, okay, now I under kind of understand those things. I want to look at it and say, how did I feel then? I'm gonna say 27 matches. I'm probably in the 20 of these things. Because it's the it's the Undertaker, and he was so good. So masterful in his craft, he pulled you in. I mean, I can still remember, you go back and look a couple of these, you know, even Jimmy Snuka. Okay, I mean, think about that. A legend. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the highlight reels, the biggest names in the business. And here is, I mean, this oddity. Uh, this Kill freak him. show, you're scared to death. And here comes, you know, oh my God, he's doing this to Jimmy Snuka? And then I think, you know, one early on that goes, on, you know, under the radar. Him and Roberts. I mean, think about that. I mean, those two together like that. Wow. Uh, and it goes on and on through the same. Now, you know, there are some some duds in there. I think like the two on one, things like that. But I mean, no one's going to no one's going to catch fire every time out, especially 27 times. Yes. You're, you're going to have a few misfires. Cough, cough, giant Gonzalez, cough, cough. Yeah. What's funny about that? <laughs> is it in, is it in uh, like the one of the last documentaries, like the, the final ride? Or whatever his, his thing was, I know it came out during the the last dance. So his was the last ride or something. He's even ride, talk, yeah. He's talking about that, and he's like, "I, I kind of left WCW not to work because I didn't want to work with him. <laughs> I go to WWE in a heavy yeah. working with him at WrestleMania. Yep, in that ridiculous costume. I mean that that's the thing. Is I mean like if you were a fan of He Man as a kid, you know he's basically in there wrestling Beast Man. You know, like. It's, it was crazy. I, I had all the He-Man figures. I loved He-Man. But is also... It, is I was there, say, oh, go ahead, boss. I was going to say also, though, he's had a bunch of good matches 
that I didn't really mention, but I wouldn't say great, but good. Like the Diesel match surprisingly was good. The Kane match at 14 was surprisingly good. The Edge match at 24 was good. 23 against Batista was good. I just wouldn't put it in the great category, but I mean, he's pretty consistent, has some good matches. And like you guys are saying, he's got some great wins. I mean, just name value wise, like Snooka, Jake the Snake, Bundy, Sid. Uh, be Triple H three times, be Michael's place. I mean, you, you know, and then so many times too, we got to remember we want to focus on the greatness of one individual. It, it's a, you need a good dance partner. And sometimes when you're that spectacle like The Undertaker, it's it's hard to find someone that can measure up to him for those yeah. visuals that can go perform like him. Is there anybody else, Rick? I know you said that you thought Lesnar was the appropriate choice. Pause as you look at his WrestleMania matches. Is there anybody that you feel like, you know, X could have really used that win, breaking the streak? I thought, and for a while, I kind of thought Punk, but then after what happened with him and him walking out and stuff, like that would have been a disaster. That would have been just a huge mistake. Thank Thank God he didn't win. Uh, But this is another one of those like ways to history. If that is the main event of WrestleMania and CM Punk beats The Undertaker, does Punk ever walk out? Hmm. True. You know, because I mean, and and it brings up an interesting point about Undertaker too. In an era where, especially because Punk kind of brought it to the light, you know, going into that match, um, we hate part-timers around here, but you all still love The Undertaker. Like he is the part-timer of all part-timers. Yes. You know, it, but, but I, I just find it interesting that even that the fans were just like, yeah, but he's the undertaker. So it's okay. Like, shut up. Like, well, I, you know, it was just like, even the fans who hated the part-timer thing were like, yeah, but that's undertaker. Like it, it, it's okay because it's the undertaker. Well, because he demanded a different respect because you knew the the love for the business. He protected himself. And I think what's so, you know, what always kills me when fans are talking about The Undertaker or they're trying to make a, if something's goofy in wrestling and we point it out, and they're like, oh, what about The Undertaker? Some guy shooting lightning at, you know, what was so brilliant about The Undertaker? And, you know, one of my favorite, you know, sayings in professional wrestling, you might not believe that pro, pro wrestling is real, but you damn sure believe that The Undertaker was. Yeah, well, and Rick, we have talked about this for years. When it when it comes to professional wrestling, one of the things that drives me just absolutely insane is they can't pick their narrative and just stick to the narrative. Like, the narrative changed when you were working with The Undertaker, and we were all okay with it because while the narrative changed, it was the same for 30 years. Absolutely. Now, Taker, the streak, 25-2, and two, four main events. To me, he makes an argument because that longevity, being part of that many WrestleManias, being a draw, being of interest to fans, definitely puts him on my list of maybe, maybe, uh, may, may not change my mind or take me away from the Hulkster, but, you know, maybe there's another guy out there that I always think of, and I know RBV agrees, always thinks of as Mr. WrestleMania. I know he's only really part of, you know, in the grand scheme of things, two to ten but that would be the macho man randy savage he's a part of some of the greatest moments and memories ever in wrestlemania history he was the draw or at least the additional add-on draw to the hulkster for a lot of them and i just always think of him as one of the all-time greats and one of the guys that really helped wrestlemania become wrestlemania he was one of the first guys that's like wow the main event maybe isn't as important like uh, Steamboat Savage, WrestleMania 3, you think to yourself like, maybe the main event isn't as important as Spectacle of Mania and picking out these other matches that were awesome. Like, what else is good out there? He kind of like opened your eyes and like, wow, guys can steal the show. You could steal the show from Hogan. Like, wow. Like, Savage did that more than you know, a few times. And eventually Hogan's like, shit, I'm working with this guy on top. <laughs> I know he helped bring Savage in, but he's like, shit, I want a main event with this guy. So nobody steals the show from us. And obviously that's what happened to WrestleMania 5. But to me, um, part of some of the most important storylines ever in WrestleMania history, RBV. I know you're a big Macho Man guy. Uh, absolutely. I, I think, you know, Jargo said something last week about Shawn Michaels and making his case there for the Heartbreak Kid. And I think for these early WrestleManias, the same applies to the Macho Man. You look at these cards, who is the Macho Man facing? Because while, you know, that, that, High adrenaline, that emotional roller coaster, that marquee, that main event was certainly around Hawk Hogan. 
you know, those that enjoyed, you know, a classical, you know, a classical technical showcase, where was the macho man on the card? That's what you were going to get with him. He carried you there. Those secondary stories, they still, they, they pulled you in. You were hooked immediately. No matter what you had going on, these, and then his, you know, a short run, relatively short run here in, in WrestleMania, but so impactful as he continued to set new standards and make history. Uh, you know, WrestleMania three, really, that's where you, you think put him on the map there still to this day, arguably, and, and so many people talking about it as the greatest match in WrestleMania history. You think that, think what that means. It decades of WrestleMania is that going back to the first big boom WrestleMania, that one that really defined it, Macho stands out there, goes on at four, something that we'd never seen on a stage like that, running through a tournament. Uh, the the emotional roller coaster. I mean, the divide in the fans again, bringing wrestling to the forefront in a way it never had been. Mega powers explode. You got the mixed tag match we had not seen on that stage. You've got the retirement match. Everything on the line, more important than championships. Macho is right there. I mean, you, you talk about defining moments on the grandest stage. It's Macho Man. Chago, what are you thinking right now? I love the Macho Man. I, oh, okay, ab- I, I, okay. I, I absolutely love the Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, and I know for me, it was WrestleMania 5. Rick, I'm pretty sure for you, it was WrestleMania 5, if I remember correctly. Pause. What is the first WrestleMania that you remember watching live? Man, I, oh, think- I, I, got, I go earlier than five. Did I absolutely th- remember live? I think three. I think WrestleMania three. three. Yeah. I'm going to say three. I might have been at the party. I I do more remember going to Blockbuster and like renting it over and over and continue mm-hmm. to watch that. But I, 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 in detail, remember sitting at Michael's house for the party, watching Macho in the tournament at four. Yeah. And, and how too. incredible yeah. that was. And that's where you become that fan. I mean, you look at that at the time, you know, the match quality, throw that out the window. It's about the ah, the true megastars, the larger than life names, the, the greatest athletes in the world there and macho's running through this thing well and i think for me that was the thing with macho man right like and i know we've talked about this quite a bit I, I was a wcw kid growing up and randy savage to me was that one guy that was in the wwf that i was like god i wish he was in wcw oh can you imagine that if you know what if, i mean if they could have landed him Oh, oh. I, and I mean, like Steamboat was was at that level too. When you go back to three, you know what I mean. But Macho Man was that guy that was like, yeah, he's got that character. He's super over the top, but man, that guy can go. Like he was just, and in that way, he was kind of the antithesis of Hogan. Um, my issue with Macho Man, and and Paz, you said it very very well. He was always kind of the number two to Hogan. Even in Macho Man's like shining moment, and and this is on Vince, right? Like they make it about Hogan, and leading up to the Mega Powers explode. Um, but to me, he can't be Mister WrestleMania because Hogan was more than what Macho Man was, and I don't consider Hogan to be Mister WrestleMania. Well, Jargo, you'd mentioned WCW. Uh, you talked about playing the second role here, the second fiddle. You know, I love that moment. So I'd like to share with everybody. I talked to you guys about this before we started rolling here. Maybe you heard it, maybe you haven't, but I want to share it. I picked this up. I was looking and studying those early years, Macho here, trying to pick up those great little tidbits that we could share with people. This one, this absolutely popped me. So, you know, if we're looking at here, his major matches, maybe nothing since I said historic though, but they're going into WrestleMania 6 as working the mixed tag. Uh, they've got it's him and Sherry versus Dusty Sapphire. Uh, Macho and Sherry, brother love in their corner, and of course the the babies have Miss Elizabeth. So as they're making the house show circuit, they they're 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 putting this match together. They're trying different things, and as as Pritchard's telling this story, he's like, "Man, we're having the time of our life. We're hitting every town. We're going out there, getting these great reactions. We're absolutely loving it." So it gets about WrestleMania time, and. They're heading to, you know, they're up in, I don't know if they're in Toronto, heading right there, but somewhere right around there. This is the first time that Pat Patterson sees this match. And even Pritchard's home, 
he's like, Pat, you got to watch this. We got this ready for WrestleMania. It's going to blow the roof off the place. People are going to love this thing. So they got there. They have the match. So later on, Patterson says to him, uh, it goes to Macho, to Brother Love, and to Sherry, uh, hey, uh, you ride with me. You ride with me to WrestleMania. You ride with me. So they're in Pat's limo, and they get in there, and well, what'd you think? You, you know, you got any notes for us? I got to tell you, that was the worst match ever. The worst match ever. Randy, you're a WWE champion. You don't sell for them like that. You in there taking bumps for him. So right there is totally WWE champ on a, a WWF champ on a different level from anything Dusty had done before. So Pat lays out a new match. So they're at, you know, they're there at Sky Dome. Uh, they're waiting on Dusty to get in there. He arrives. And I, for whatever reason, pro wrestling, you go do your business where I guess it's most private in the shower. So they get in there. Mach is, Mach is like, uh, Bruce, uh, you tell him what, uh, what we got. And Pritchard's sitting about ready to shit. He's got the macho man and he's got the great Dusty Rhodes and they're asking him to be this middleman and explain it here. So Pritchard goes and tells him, lays out this whole new match for him, completely different what they had going on. And uh, Dusty kind of, uh, brother, you know, that's kind of like, that's kind of like telling Bay Ruth how to hit a baseball. <laughs> and Macho looks at him and says, just pats him on the back, says, uh, well, babe, that's how we're doing it tonight. <laughs> he just turns and leaves. <laughs> so, I mean, that just populates. I love it, man. It, that's so good. And I go out there and do it the other way around here. But, I mean, that's Macho, man. Was Macho Man the original spot monkey? Like what we have come to know as as the spot monkey now, because he was very notorious for he like went and laid out all of his matches. He would write everything out. Everything was very, very planned. Is Macho Man the first spot monkey? Wow, I mean, that's 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 a good question. I mean, what would he, what would he be doing if he was a coach at the performance <laughs> center right now? I know he liked to, you know, quote unquote, script his matches and get them ready meticulously. He, yeah. Yeah. But he knew. And, and smartly and wisely because he was so good. He knew how to control the crowd. So it's not like the guys today where it's like, oh, I'm going to do this spot and hopefully we get True. this reaction. He's like, okay, Rick Steamboat, we're going to do this. And he goes, and we're definitely getting this reaction. So this is where you're going to go this way because he knew how to manipulate the crowd. Exactly difference. what he, yeah, that's the difference. These guys today are like, oh, we hope that this will happen. Oh, the crowd will hopefully will react this way. Savage knew how to manipulate and control the crowd. So that's why he's able to script out his matches because the crowd was so into him and he was such a master that he knew exactly how they would react to everything that he was going to do. So he was great. If you just think back to that steamboat match, I know steamboat says like they practiced on house shows. They were practicing in the hotel rooms, move the beds out of the way. They're practicing in the middle of the room They're You know, they have a notebook and Savage in the middle of a match. Like go to page 67, like in your head. And they, <laughs> they would go to page 67 and they would do the stuff. So it was very meticulous, almost overly done. But the match at WrestleMania three was the first time to me. I was like, holy shit. Like this guy is awesome. Like what, what a match and what a moment. And obviously you know, the gorilla is into it and everything is just so important about it. Jesse was loving it. It was just an awesome match. Awesome a moment. Love WrestleMania three against Steamboat. And then WrestleMania four, when he goes to the tournament, beats Butch Reed, beats Valentine, beats one man gang, beats DiBiase. Great match, which it was longer, but with how many matches was going on, which how long the show was, we weren't going to get as long as the main event, unfortunately, but that's really kind of what like cemented him. It's like, wow, great moment. At WrestleMania three. And then holy shit, what a performance at WrestleMania four. And then WrestleMania five is like, you know, the, the, one of the crown jewels of my childhood. I mean, like that's one of the best storylines in the history of wrestling. You would think that they would do year long builds more often because every time they do it, it's freaking money. Yep. And you know, and, and that's where you started to see the cracks in Hulkamania. It, you did see a divide there. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's really where I, I even remember the first hearing people calling out Hogan for his actions, you know, his questionable <laughs> actions, you know, was, was he justified in, in what the way he was acting towards Elizabeth do, and how he handled his relationship with, with Randy. I do wish they would have played that a bit more straight though, because like you, you had so much of that, right. Where the audience was really, really split. And then over the course of time, they really tried to make it out that macho man was crazy and Hogan was right. Right, like well, and, and that then you as a macho that. man guy, that was just insulting, you know. Like macho was, man's not crazy. I saw it too. 
That was an awesome build. Yeah, think pause. about that. WrestleMania four, he gets the win. Hogan's in the ring, almost still shine a little bit. Obviously, that, that's kind of part of the story with Elizabeth and 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 him just really playing off Hogan well and just being paranoid and everything. Then you you, know, you go to SummerSlam, then you go to Survivor Series, then that at the Royal Rumble they have a little bit of a dust up. Then obviously Saturday night's main event with, with Twin Towers, Elizabeth gets knocked over in the back. Savage just finally snaps, leading into WrestleMania five. The whole show is predicated on the mega powers exploding. They were the draw at this point and, and would hold for many, many years the biggest pay-per-view ever and would draw so much money to, just to show you the power of Hulkamania, the power of that feud. So people were dying to see Hogan and Savage. That year-long storyline arc paid off. I think it was 750,000 buys at that point, which was huge for the pay-per-view market. It was just unbelievable. The money that came in was unbelievable. Hogan's payoff, if, if you believe him, was about $5 million. In 1989, for one match, Jarno so, doesn't believe anything that comes out of. Hogan's yeah, match. right. I, I, I know. Well, so nor should it. anybody else. But the match is awesome. I, I, I love yeah. the match. I love the moment. Donald Trump goes nuts when Hogan wins. So, I mean, really, really, if you, if you watch the front row, really, really good stuff there uh, from Savage. So, and of course, RBV mentioned WrestleMania six as well. But really, think about four and five. I mean, that's the the pinnacle of Mania to me. To me. Uh, I, unquestionably wrestlemania 5 is my favorite hulk hogan match yeah, i'd say seven seven is the biggest moment everything i mean with the stakes career on the line there but Paz, you know you, you keep asking here the number of matches what we enjoy of the matches he had the only match i wasn't overly invested emotional and excited for was the last one against crush really I mean, every other time your, i was whoa, 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 over the top problem? end of this thing. whoa what is your problem? Oh, you offended Paz. <laughs> Everybody no, thought they would be me to do that. No, but you know why I really like the crush match? Well, two reasons. First of all, I was there. So I was at uh, WrestleMania oh, Homer. Back. Yes, so I'm a homer for it big time. But I was invested in that storyline just because I liked it. But I thought it was like, wow, Macho Man, me being there, but it being at MSG, him being the old school guy. Piper was there too, but he's kind of the referee for that night so it was like wow he's like the mantelpiece he's the old school guy hogan's gone he's not there so it's like wow savage is kind of like the guy that all the fans kind of wanted to see old school fans at msg at the 10th anniversary at wrestlemania so to me that's why i, know, I was so invested in that match going in as a fan especially knowing i was going there live so like oh this is awesome i get to go see randy savage at wrestlemania the problem was vince was already checked out on macho man at that point that it was wasn't as important. Yeah. Well, yep. and you know, the year before, I think that that might have been one of the great misses with Macho. Why wasn't he on that card on WrestleMania Nine? He should have been working Shawn Michaels. Yep. Didn't they do some stuff over in the UK on those Rampage tours, and they were absolutely just slaying it? And he that, asked for it. He begged for it. Right. And they pretty much said, ah, well, you know, that's not your spot here. I mean, that was a a, a great. As, as we're sitting here, I mean. T- how, how different would this conversation be if we're talking about WrestleManias? I mean, that could be like that handy passing off of a torch moment right there from Macho to Sean. Uh, that's one of the big WrestleMania misses in my in my opinion. I agree. I was hoping you weren't going to say Mega Powers versus Money, Inc. That's what I thought you were going for. But yeah, you're right. The Shawn Michaels thing, yeah. I, was that kind of the, the problem with Macho Man, though? Like, w- with Hogan, at least he re- comes back to the WWF. He has, like, you know, his, his big couple of moments in the second part of his career. Like, when Vince checked out on Macho Man, Vince was done with Macho Man. Like, he never had that affection that he had for Hogan to even welcome him back after everything. Like, it's just, I don't know. I, the, Not to get into the whole Stephanie thing, but just the way that Vince always was towards Macho Man and how quickly he just pulled the plug on it, it it seems like there was so much left on the table with Randy Savage. Yeah, Is is Macho really that one where you could potentially see big money and they just never went back to that well? Yeah, very much so. It was sure. Because he was always up Hogan's ass, and then by the time it was time for Macho Man to take that mantle and be the dominant champion that he should have been, Vince had already moved on to the new era. He kind of so got he, Nakamura'd. <laughs> so he's 7-4 and four at WrestleMania. Two main events, two co-main events. Uh, just to me, the moments, the storylines, being a part of the biggest WrestleMania at that point, money-wise, with Hogan, 
was like, wow, I mean, this guy, he came to play one year as champion during the Hogan era. People may, may forget that. This guy was champion for a year during the Hogan era and didn't lose a step money-wise. Nothing. <laughs> like they say, like, oh, Warrior it fell off a cliff a little bit. They lost so much money. The guys were like saying, man, we made just as much money for the Savage wait, shows as wait, the Hogan shows. Fell off the cliff a little bit? Yeah, is that how? How is that? How is that a phrase? If you fall off the cliff, you fall <laughs> off the cliff, man. You don't fall off a little bit, just a little, yeah, just a smidge. And is, there, is that like when uh when Rey Mysterio went over the edge of Titan Towers, he just fell off a little <laughs> yes. bit because there was a yes. there was a, another level right exactly. there. He went yes. over just a little bit. Yes, he didn't go but, all the way over, just just a little bit. But the Ric Flair match arguably could have been the main event at WrestleMania Eight too. Like I know it was a co-main event, but that's awesome show stealing match. Looking back, it's like, wow, Savage Flair could have been the main event. Uh, we talk about mistakes with it, too. I know people, I, I, maybe there was so many mistakes, people, I, I don't care what they're reasoning, what they try, the the smoke that they're trying to blow up our rear ends uh, in, in the aftermath of it. People want it that, that Flair-Hogan match, but Macho steps right in and delivers with Flair. And yep. they, those guys... Completely, you can turn that show off at intermission because that was your headliner of that show. I agree, great match. So, basically, Savage to me is in the running just for a historical perspective. And just to me, even when I think of WrestleMania, I don't know I always think of, of WrestleMania 7 against Warrior, uh, WrestleMania 5 against Hogan, WrestleMania 3 against Steam. But the memories and moments well, always jump out to me before a lot of other people. Speaking I, of that, I miss the old intermission. You'll countdown clock with the WrestleMania music. Me too. You, you talk about WrestleMania 7 for just a second. I the, the thing about WrestleMania 7 that everybody remembers is the first time pro wrestling made us cry, right? Like the, the Elizabeth, and as soon as he let out with that, there's there wasn't a dry eye in the house, right? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. the first the first time pro wrestling made me cry. But uh that's what we remember. The match, Ultimate Warrior. Not so much. Well, I mean, the storytelling in the match, but yeah, you are right. I mean, what's what's that lasting emotion, that moment? It is, you know, the coming, the full circle of pro wrestling's, you know, truly great love story. My, my number two wrestling, WrestleMania moment in history. Number one, I love you, I'm sorry, super kick. Number two, Elizabeth. Look at you all emotional. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. I'm a big sap today. I told Paz I was going to try to be nicer, dude. Dr. Love. <laughs> yeah so savage to me in the running undertaker in the running i know rvv is saying savage more than taker but i'm keeping them both in, in the running for sure so the next guy guy i absolutely love brett the hitman Hart. i gotta throw his name in, in the hat just because great matches great moments maybe the best wrestler ever at pulling best matches out of guys just one of those guys that makes everyone he works with better Maybe the greatest pure worker ever in the business. I always throw, always think of him when anyone ever says like great technician, great worker, always put his name in the hat, probably at the top before I think of anybody else. Man, he was just impressive as hell. I know he starts off with a slow start. WrestleMania, two people forget, only on the Battle Royal, and three with Danny Davis and Jim Neidhart against Tito and the Bulldogs. I like those Battle Royals. I know. I I remember Brett in those things. I remember those were the first times that I really took notice of him. And I feel like WrestleMania 4 is when I first really took notice when you think he's teaming up with Bad News and Bad News turns on him and tosses him and then he breaks the big trophy. That's when I'm like, wow, you really start to kind of take notice uh, of Brett there. But it's almost like there's too many guys in there to really kind of get get a good feeling until you get a breakout moment like that in the Battle Royal. I'm just, I'm just a, a huge mark for that battle royal gimmick, and I, and I just, I still remember watching those as a kid. You know, renting those tapes from Blockbuster or wherever the case might have been, the little local home video, and, um, week after week, and going back and watching Brett in those battle royals, and that's when I, I first, you know, really noticed him, and then started appreciating, you know, tag team wrestling and the Heart Foundation. Yeah, and it's funny that you bring that up because that's when I really remember taking notice of Bret Hart was was Heart Foundation days. And we all kind of knew Brett was going to be a singles breakout star. And we also kind of knew watching the rockers that Shawn Michaels was going to kind of be this singles breakout star. Like you could see it very, very early on in both of them. And I think the two of them having each other 
and them not necessarily getting along, but the rivalry just even backstage, even at those early days, you can see it. I mean, that's to me, that's what makes these guys two of the best was we actually got to watch them almost from like, I'm going to, I'm going to use a new Japan reference here. We almost got to see them as young lions and work their way up to the main event, right. With both Brett and Sean. And so we have all that emotional connection to those guys. And that's just something that I think Vince forgot how to do like 20 years ago. Now you're kind of at the level you're at. With Brett, as he's breaking out, WrestleMania 5 is a good match, hard foundation against HTM and Greg the Hammer. Obviously, the Bolsheviks is one of those things where it kind of cuts short because of time, but they basically win in a squash. WrestleMania 7, awesome match against the Nasty Boys. I love that match. Um, shock finish with the Nasties going over, but uh, I love that match. WrestleMania 8 was his coming out party and his breaking out party. Possibly the match of the night against Rowdy Roddy Piper. I absolutely love this match. It is awesome. It's one of those things where it's like, wow. Piper is great, but you don't almost notice like, oh, Brett is the reason. Like, as you start getting smarter as a fan, you start realizing like, okay, you go back and watch that Tom McGee match. And it's so funny that Vince was tricked by it. And Pat Patterson had to tell him like, uh, no, uh, Brett carried that guy. That guy's not really that great. Good athletes, but he's not great. So you start realizing it even here. It's like, wow, Piper might not be great wrestler. You can get great matches. But Brett is the guy that's carrying the match and carrying the weight and and really, really being the important factor in so many matches. So WrestleMania 8 to me is the breakout party, possibly the match of the night uh, for Brett. Probably Piper's best match ever. Quite possibly. Well, again, I think which, and I hope, you know, coming up this Sunday, on a and e network uh they're they're covering the biography series the focal point is piper i'm hoping that, that they'll highlight this thing you gotta think you know piper's coming in this thing he's this young tremendous technician piper's got look over and say we gotta do something we gotta bring out the charisma let me take him to that next level i mean to think that this was piper's only title championship title inside wwe and he's going out there and working bread hard at a wrestlemania i mean what more do you want for that icebreaker moment to say hey i've arrived at the at the party now make sure you save me a seat at the head table because i got my eye on it you're exactly right too rick i mean that's when i first remember like bret hart promos because i mean like even like when i think back on heart foundation promos my favorite part of the heart foundation promos was anvil stroking his beard and the and the crazy laugh right like brett had the the personality of a toothpick at that time this is when i really remember the hitman kind of stepping out of that and becoming a true single star yeah good point WrestleMania 9, great match out of Yoko. One of Yoko's best matches. I feel like Brett brings out the best in everybody. Definitely brought out the best in Yoko. Some guys didn't know how to really work him or didn't know what to do. And yes, he was athletic, but he's such a huge body. You kind of get maybe a little bit thrown off of what to do with him. Brett was awesome with him. I mean, his best matches really were against Brett. There's some great stories. You go to the Legend series on what was the network. Now, I'm sure it's on Peacock. Got to look around for it. Uh, But I mean, this is when Yoko... The, the Yoko Legend series. I mean, this is the health is is pretty bad, yeah. And, and he's having trouble in there. And I think Yoko was pretty gassed. And, and Brett's sitting there trying to carry him through this thing and, and get the best out of him. As you said, yeah. though, you know, it's, he pulls it off because he's such a great ring general, a great dance partner, a leader. When you're out there in that ring, well, and I, one thing I think that is seriously underrated about Brett Hart was he could sell his freaking ass off. Yep. One of the best sellers ever. Now, now yeah. Jerry, you were talking about, you know, as we see a young Bret Hart, obviously he's hungry. I mean, this is in his blood. And Literally. He, now, I know there was some bitterness from him about how he wasn't necessarily happy, how the WWE, how Vince had done his father's territory with some promises maybe they didn't hold up. Is this, though, is this WrestleMania 9? Is this where maybe... Uh, a stronger fire is lit and a little of the bitterness in Brett begins to burn. I could see that. I could absolutely with see all that. the surrounding stories of how Hogan handled himself here, yep. the interaction between these two, where he really realizes, you know, I thought this was in my grasp. They're going to give me this thing. And then, oh, crap. And then he has to deal with Sean. 
right? I mean, so you're dealing with two of the biggest political personalities in the history of the professional wrestling business. And Vince picked both of those personalities over the purest that is Bret Hart, somebody who literally has this in his veins. We talk about all the people that Stu trained over the years. Imagine him being your freaking dad. Right. Brett wanted to restore the the honor and the sports like presentation to professional wrestling, not the over the top larger than life characters that that you love so much, Rick. And, and instead, Vince went with the personalities of Hogan and Brett. And as much as I love Brett as a performer. I think to me, that's the disqualification. Like people look back on Brett Hart very, very fondly, but Vince never really fully invested in Bret Hart. And that's no fault of his own. We'll we'll get to it here because when he did and you got to see Bret as Bret, magnificent. Oh, no, we'll get to it here. Owen Hart, great match to kick off WrestleMania 10. Again, they're live. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite match of that night. Okay, but they've been rehearsing that match for 30 years. Come on. Awesome match. Uh, everyone always says greatest opener. I mean, it's one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. It's awesome. Shocking loss, too, which is pretty cool. Made Owen a star literally that day, that night. Made him basically a main event player. He, oh, my God. He just beat his older brother, Bret Hart. Great finish, too. Just really, really smart stuff. It pretty much creates the black heart. Yep. Yeah. Correct? Yep. So then in the main event, beat Yoko that night. Another good match at a Yoko. Yoko, a little gassed, but uh, still good match. Uh, great celebration. The next year against Backlund was a weird thing. I think Piper kind of ruins the match a little bit with him getting involved with, like, do you quit? Do you say quit? Like, it was just too much. I feel like uh, Brett and Backlund had an awesome match um, well, at Survivor Hyper- and they had a really, really good match uh, back on Superstars. So, I mean, they've had great matches. I don't know. It was a little bit. I didn't like the gimmick of that match. Here's the problem. You have Bob Backlund. You have Brett the Hitman Hart. And Vince McMahon thinks, dear God, how do we sell this? We need something with personality. And so he puts right. Piper in there and he told Piper, you have to be all the personality. And Piper was the wrong guy to say that to. I mean, yeah. when Piper oh, he was turned- over the top. He, Piper was always turned up to 11, and he, then you tell him to go over the top. You know, though, uh, you go back and look at WrestleMania 11 and this thing on paper. Uh, th- this might have been the, the worst ever. <laughs> like seven matches. I mean, this is the one where LT headlines. I mean, he went yeah, up there and did yeah. a great job. I'm taking anything away from it. Um, you go down this card. I mean, I don't even remember being all that invested there with, with Diesel and Shawn Michaels. They, they try to, you know, to drum up a little interest by bringing in Pam Anderson and Jenny McCarthy there. But the rest of you, you got Brett and Bob. I was at attention. Uh, Owen and Yoko, the smoking guns, Undertaker and King Kong, Razor versus Jeff Jarrett, and the Allied Powers uh, versus the Blue Brothers. I mean, I mean, that maybe that works for an in-your-house. It's not you know, WrestleMania, you know, is it? Yeah, in-your-house gets sacked, but that's not WrestleMania. Felt like Brett probably should have been somewhere more up the card there too. After the performance at ten, he should have been given the reins a bit with, and not not go into the diesel era. With, but hey, you know, with those names though that I kind of I, I read off and looking back, I mean, where do you place him? Uh, you, you had Sean there that has made a play. I mean, they bring in Diesel and Vince immediately falls back in love. I've got my next big monster. I've got my guy to move with here. Sean's buddies with him already. They're they're politicking. You got all the click shenanigans going on. I mean, do you go back to the well and maybe just revisit an Owen Hart and Bret Hart family feud? Start that like one year build. Maybe he works with Razor. I, I mean, there's other possibilities. I would have done Owen Bret too. Would have been nice. Bret Hart was too pure for this business at this time. I mean, I I really feel like that's the problem. Like Bret wasn't all about playing the political games. You know, he he saw professional wrestling very differently than Vince McMahon and Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan. And it just didn't work. Well, I mean, in in a different world, Bret Hart might have been, you know, Ric Flair. Well, Mm -hmm. I, I look at this now as, you know, looking at the card, talking about it out loud. We're talking about the political aspect of this and maybe Bret's not as intensified into this aspect of the business at this point. 
as we had mentioned, Owen Hart, Bret Hart, how great that would have been in one of those one-year builds. Hey, I beat you in the opening match last year. You went on to win the title later that night. I want to do it again. You got to think, Sean and Diesel, they might have been in Vince's ear saying, don't let those guys work together, knowing that they're going to be in the championship match and they don't want to be outshined by the Hart brothers. True, too. That is very, very true. Then if you look at WrestleMania 12, great match, Iron Man match against HBK. Then WrestleMania 13, arguably the greatest WrestleMania match of all time versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Again, might be Steve Austin's best match. Might be one of the greatest performances of all time. Might be the greatest match ever in the history of Mania. Just awesome stuff. What a star-making performance that night was. And it, it, above everything else, it's the double turn, right? And yep. I mean, like, it just that Magical. is so hard to, to pull off. To actually pull off a double turn in a professional wrestling match like that. That's a master class in professional wrestling. That entire match. Then, if Like you're you on mute. Oh, sorry about that. I didn't say anything of importance. Not that I have ever, but <laughs> I really didn't say anything of importance that time. Oh, good, good. Uh, but, I was going to say, let's not talk about WrestleMania 26 with his win against Vince. So let's let's ignore that. That doesn't count. Well, you get that moment, you know, people tuned in for that. But going back to the 13, I, absolutely. It's a coin flip. One or two in my list of favorite WrestleMania matches. And, and more so, I mean, you have that, okay, you've got Brett. You've got people starting, okay, this SOB, no pun intended, this dirty bastard Austin, people taking notice. You've got the crossroad. Only one man can control this. You bring in Ken Shamrock, the most dangerous man in the world. All the stakes are on the line here. It's so personal. The double turn's magnificent. And this, to me, this is the, the, the root, the core of what has been pro wrestling's greatest storyline, Western pro wrestling's greatest storyline. And it was the Hart Foundation, the world versus America. To me, that was more intense, more emotional than, than Hogan defending us uh, against Slaughter, who, tra- who was a traitor. It, it was more emotional, inspiring, whatever. You buy into it more than the NWO, anything with DX, even more so than the Monday Night Wars. I mean, this was intense right here. But I also feel like WrestleMania 13, while it's incredible, it's also kind of the writings on the wall for Brett the Hitman Hart because everybody knows that it is just a matter of time until Stone Cold is number one. Sean is already on top. Vince has never been a Bret Hart guy. And I, I think all of those animosities, the, the entire contract situation is starting to bubble to, to the top of its head. This is a very, very weird time for Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, absolutely. He kind of created the monster that would destroy him as far as the WWE goes with with Austin. So Brett, overall, eight and six at WrestleMania, three main events, one co-main event, and then basically, if you think about it, four matches that I would consider some of the greatest WrestleMania uh, matches of all time. Just some great, great stuff from Brett. Definitely got to throw his name in the hat for me as Mr. WrestleMania. Also, obviously, we talked about Macho Man Randy Savage. Also, we talked about Undertaker and the streak. Last week, we talked about Hulk Hogan. We talked about Shawn Michaels. And then we talked about John Cena as well. I think we can safe to say that Cena has been eliminated from this competition. What was the, going back to Brett here real quick, he he comes back for the thing with Vince. And I remember people were so excited. I do remember the emotion with the comeback. But even that moment with, with Shawn Michaels, it just felt so... Uh, ingenuine to me like you could tell it was maybe what was the backstory on i can't recall at this time coming from the sheets why did he why did he agree to this why did brett after all these years everything that went down the bitterness say okay it's time to let bygones be bygones let's start doing business again was was he in need of money i I just don't recall maybe the the scoop from the sheets what was happening wasn't it um a divorce at that point wasn't he going through a divorce and maybe he needed the money? Wasn't that what, what was going on? I think it was kind of a, a culmination of factors. Um, and his legacy was at stake because I think they were about to put on that screw documentary and make yeah. it look bad too. Yeah, the, the, there was there was a lot of stuff going on there, I, if I remember correctly. But it, um, you're, with that legacy, you know that is something that he was so proud of and how he was going to be remembered, and it's something he took very personal. So he might have said, "Okay, all right, I'll play ball here." 
Because yeah. just at that point, and really to this day, you don't have that alternative company to go protect you from this kind of stuff. Well, that was the thing, right? Like if Brett wanted to do something, where else was he going to do it? You know, there, there wasn't yep. a whole lot of options there. So that'll be part two. Then we'll wrap that up for this week. Part three next week, we'll have some good ones. We'll talk a little bit about Steve Austin. We'll talk a little bit about The Rock. We'll talk a little bit about Roman Reigns, maybe future Mr. WrestleMania there. I want to throw Ultimate Warrior's name in the hat just for some fun as well. But that'll be next week, part three, for this great series that we've kind of been delving into here as we go more and more into it. There may be some more parts that we need to get to. But RBV, give us your plugs. Well, I did want to say, man, I'm looking forward to part three. This has been a, a great conversation. No disrespect to the man. I think he's one of the most incredible performers. But I, I want to put him on his own pedestal, so I have eliminated The Undertaker. So I've still got oh. three in my running. I've got three oh. in my running as we head into part three. Uh, but until we sit down again, gentlemen, I'd like to remind everybody to be sure to check out a, a partner of the two-man power trip, the Hameen Media Group, and all their great, not just weekly, but daily programming. Uh, from news and headlines, from show reviews, and even beyond professional wrestling. If you like conspiracy talk, if you like, if you like South Park, if you like Star Wars, if you like Star Trek, if you like two idiots from the Midwest just sitting down and just shooting about whatever's coming out on the top of their minds, you can tune into me and Jargo at hittingmarks.com. But for the Hami Media stuff, right now, you know we're still we're finding a new home. We're we're in that battle with big media censorship. So right now, it's Patreon. Dot com backslash Hameen Media Group. I know a lot of people get freaked out when you hear Patreon, but we do have some free content over there. So again, patreon.com backslash Hameen Media Group. And I'll leave the other Patreon plugs for, for you, Paz. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, patreon.com slash tmptempire. April 29th, 11 p.m. Eastern, we will have Mr. Vince Russo for an all-attitude Q&A. Sign up right now patreon.com slash tpt empire jargo what do you for all things jargo visit michaeljargo.com and since rbv is eliminating people um I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say it i have not been swayed in this conversation whatsoever sean michaels still mr wrestlemania and it, it it's becoming more and more clear to me why it's because of the return like if Sean's career would have ended at WrestleMania 14, I feel like we could be having a conversation about all these other guys. It's the return and the, and the matches that happened in the second part of his career that just sets him so far apart to me, but you know, go ahead, visit michaeljargo.com. There is an email link there and you can tell me how wrong I am, or you can just, you know, send me an email telling me that I'm right. In which case I completely agree with you. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in this week. We'll see you right back here next week for Who Is Mr. WrestleMania Part 3. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.